Hi there, Carling here. Whether this is your first episode of this podcast you're listening to, or you're working backwards from the more recent ones, these earliest episodes require a bit of patience, humor, and understanding. These episodes are a time machine back to when I had no idea what I was doing in editing, sound quality, or production. And there were two hosts. We were full of passion, laughter, and a whole lot of trial and error. But here's the thing. These episodes are the essence of my humble beginnings, and I'm hoping that's part of the charm. The raw authenticity that shaped the foundation of this podcast. Although this podcast has evolved and my interview skills and audio quality have vastly improved, the heart and soul of these episodes remain timeless. The stories I shared back then, they still hold significance and are worth hearing. These episodes make me appreciate how far I've come, so... Thank you in advance for your patience and enjoy. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay and I'm joined by my co-host and real life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a lighthearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. Okay, so the cancer is in your lymph nodes and we will need to have further surgery. day to say it it's is. It's Sunday. Today's Sunday. Today's Sunday. Yeah. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> well, because I'll be listening to it on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, how's your weekend going? It's okay. It was really short. Like, it went by fast, it felt like. Yeah. I had to think about it, but yeah, it did go by really fast. It did fast. go by fast. Tomorrow's already Monday. Yeah. I gotta work tomorrow. How's working in a mask? It's okay. This is a new development for you. Yeah. So we have to wear masks now. But honestly, it's it's okay. Like, it's not. But how is it? You're wearing a mask, and then there's plexiglass. Yes. And then some people also wear masks. Right. So it gets a little hard to hear. Yeah. Um, there was one, one woman who came in who is was very hard of hearing. So I did take my mask off so she could, like, yeah, read, read my lips, right? Well, it's one of those clear masks. <laughs> no. Those things are so creepy. Yeah, they do look creepy. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. No, we were, we're, we're wearing masks now, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Really? I have to like, wear one at work when I'm not sitting at my desk. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. And, like, the the ones that they gave us are, are pretty breathable and comfortable, so. Are they branded? No. I'm surprised. We can wear our own, too. Like, they just gave us five. Which one? No, they're in my car. Oh. Like, they're in my purse, actually. But they're, like, washable? Oh, yeah. Reusable? Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's just, like, crazy to think. So, I've been going... Today, I started going through all of our past episodes and finding little, like, teaser sound bits so that we can, like, plug the podcast, like, throughout the week. Yeah. And... Like, our first, I don't know, 10 episodes are all about the pandemic. Yeah. And it's just, like, to listen to them and our thoughts on the pandemic or, like, the things that we were going through or questioning were so different than they are now. Yeah. 
Yeah, it it is strange, like how time has gone by, and it's it's gotten more frustrating in some ways. You know yeah. how how it's certain people aren't following yeah the proper you know rules or whatever, and so that's frustrating because things are just um being prolonged or yeah. You know? There was a news article that at Chinook Mall in the city we live in. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, there was a group of anti-maskers. That's so embarrassing. Protesting. But then in the in the article, the like lead person was saying, well, you know, there's a bunch of people who are medically exempt from wearing it. And so we all wanted to come together. And I was like, wouldn't that be the worst? What? Yeah, because... It, like there is legitimate reasons that yeah. people can't. So they're medically then, exempt. So they're all going to hang out together and like those and potentially are the people, get yeah. sick. Oh, yeah. it's just ridiculous. I know. Like use your brains, people. Wear your GD mask. It's just stupid. But um, yeah, it's just wild. I have a headache. Like just all of a sudden. Yeah. Something, something about your me? voice. Oh my no. god! <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just tired. I had a terrible sleep last night i had two children in my bed complaining about various things at like three in the morning god jude wanted to play a band-aid game at like three in the morning like was he awake i'm not sure honestly <laughs> i don't know but you should just wake him up one night and be like do you want to play a game <sighs> that sounds like something that's so movie. creepy <laughs> <laughs> should i be holding a balloon while i say it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm just tired today, and I feel like I've just, like, cleaned and worked all day, or all weekend, and it, you know, never really makes much of a difference, and, but I work tomorrow, and then I'm off Tuesday, Wednesday with no children at home, so I can just... That's lovely. I know. That's pretty sweet. I... What else is new? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything going on. Well, I I finally talked to my therapist. Yes. I haven't talked to her since... I was laid off in July. Right. Because I had no benefits. Right. And I used a ball of Lindy's. And, um... Hopefully Lindy doesn't have any issues she has to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> we each have our own, but under hers. You're like, <laughs> she, sorry, babe. I uh, I need it more than you do. She has her own set. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but it was funny, because I wanted to, like, when I booked the appointment, mm-hmm. I was like, I need to talk to somebody right now. Yeah. And then by the time the appointment came around, I was like, I don't know. Everything's fine. I don't want to talk about it. It's, it's not that big of a deal. I think it's fine. I always used to do that with the doctor. Like, I'd be like, oh, there's something wrong. Like, I need to go to the doctor. And then once I get there, I, like, forget half the stuff that yeah. was wrong with me, like, yeah. 10 days ago. <laughs> I know. I need, like... Well, and she was <laughs> she was like, because um, now that I have benefits, she was like, yeah, like, how often are you hoping to get in? And I was like, well, Megan, like two hours a week if I could. Yeah. Like, maybe you could just move in with me. Totally. I, I mean, I don't think that's too much God, to ask, Because really. then when I have something I want to talk about. Yeah. And like, I don't cry in therapy. And I probably should. Oh, my gosh. I had my first therapy appointment from like with my new one. And I don't usually cry out of therapy. Yeah. Like, I don't ever cry anymore. Yeah. Um, I was like a blubbering mess, oh my God. which I guess is exactly what, you know, I needed to be right. Yeah. But, um, cause I was like, I never cry. And she's like, I think that she took it as a challenge. <laughs> I, think that. I bet you like they give themselves, I don't know. They, mm-hmm. There's a point system. Mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah. Like how much I almost cried. Yeah. But then my body was like, Oh, oh uh, don't do it. You don't cry in front of people. <laughs> 
especially emotionally safe, professionally trained people. I mean, I think we have incredible coping skills. I bottle it up until I'm like at the, like, I don't know, mechanic and I'm angry about something. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And then my body's like, hmm. Now's the time yes, you should release some a, tears. This is a good time to do this. And then I'm pissed. <laughs> um, Just a hysterical woman at the mechanic <laughs> shop. What else is new? God. Anyways. Anyways. Um, and I feel like, I don't know if we ever talk about our Patreon in the intros of our episode. I don't know. Maybe. Do we? I don't know. Well, anyway. Maybe we should. Because yeah. that's. Seems like what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I wanted to bring it up because we're on Patreon. So a lot of people, like, I often don't listen to the, like, outro portion of podcasts. I'm like, "Mm, episode's done. Sick of them by that point. I don't want to hear anything else. But we're on Patreon, and it's, like, a monthly subscription, and you get bonus content. Mm -hmm. And we are having a blast doing it. A blasty blast. A blasty blast. And this next episode, which is on Friday, this upcoming Friday. I don't know what day that is. October 23rd? Sure. Maybe-ish. We're going to be telling one of your stories. We are. Because it is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness. It's a very long name. Month. Month. Um, I'm going to talk about my losses. Yeah. And... Yeah, so... So trigger warning for that one. Yeah. But maybe it'll be helpful to some people. I feel like we're, like, out of schedule because normally we record, like, midday. Yeah. But it's, like, after dinner and we're recording late tonight Mm -hmm. because we had to coordinate... um, Funky time zones. Funky time zones. Beijing, China, Arizona, and Calgary. Yeah. Those are three different time zones. That, like, span over a day. Like, it's not even just the and same day. And we are no mathematicians, so that was oh, a tough Lord, one. Oh, I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, so if it's 9 o'clock our time, that's 8 o'clock your time. That's the next day at 7 o'clock your time. Oh, anyway, my gosh. bonkers. Yes. So I feel like we're, le- I'm like. I know, I'm sleepy. Yeah. And you just fed us delicious food. So I now I'm did. like, after dinner now. I decided that I'm going to eat healthy this week and not buy takeout, which I'm so bad at doing. Like, by the end of the day, I'm just like so done that I... Damn, you skip the dishes. Oh, I wish, I honestly wish that I couldn't get it. Like, when I lived just outside, like on the acreage, we couldn't get any delivery and I used to be so upset about it. And then as soon as I moved to this town, it was like, ooh, but now I just wish I didn't have it because it's too easy. Well, and, like, with the pandemic, like, more companies have signed on to it. Yes, yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I remember before Skip the Dishes, your options really were, like, Chinese food, pizza, pizza, yeah, or, like, some restaurants, like Boston Pizza. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, you could go pick up at the restaurant. Yeah, but, like... I know now there's just too many options and it's too easy. Every time I go on a TikTok, there's, like, this one where it's, like... Um, you have to start cooking for yourself. Um, you have to stop ordering out. And I'm talking to all of us that order, like order a $5 meal that ends up being $20. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that's me. (laughs) I have been seen. So yeah. What did I make? I made zucchini noodles with sausage and rosé sauce. Yeah. A little Parmesan cheese on top. Yeah. Spinach. 
and a Caesar salad on yeah, the side. It was so good. Yeah, it was delicious. Yeah, I Lindy was out of town all last week, and so that shouldn't be an excuse for why I, as a single, not single, but like childless yeah. adult, cannot cook my own food. But like, I had 10 animals. Yeah. And so like, by the time I like get home, let everybody out, mm-hmm. feed the cats, start feeding the dog, like... And then they need exercise. Like, I'm just too tired. I don't want to. And, like, every time you clean, you have to cook. Or, no. Yeah. Every, every time you cook, you have to clean. Yeah. And that's just yeah a scam. Yeah. So. No, I get it. It's annoying. And, like, I have a big aversion to cooking now because uh, Anthony loved my cooking and I would cook for him all the time. Yeah. And I just don't yeah find, like, joy in it anymore, you know? And I went to school for professional cooking for three years. And I've worked in restaurants and I've worked in catering yeah. and stuff like that. But now I'm just like, Well, uh, and like your kids it. are kids, so they eat Yeah, they're like, pretty picky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're like getting to. Yeah. And if I do want to make them something like a little bit more intricate, you know, maybe half of them would eat it. Yeah. So it's just kind of a letdown, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I know. I felt bad at Thanksgiving. You, like, cooked all this delicious food. Yeah. And then they were like, what's turkey? And I'm no. like, oh, my God, you know what turkey is. <laughs> well, most of them like turkey, thankfully, but it's like they don't really like any of the sides. Like stuffing. stuffing. Mashed yeah. potatoes. Like, they're crazy, honestly. I know. They don't that know stuff is good. so good. But I was so picky as a kid. Yeah. Like, painfully picky. I would eat dry Cheerios every meal Ew. because I hated whatever... I like spaghetti, anything like that. I didn't like any condiments. Like I wouldn't eat ketchup, mayo, like mustard, nothing on a burger, like no cheese, well, you're nothing. Weird about bubbles. I don't like anything carbonated. Yeah. So no pop, no like coolers, nothing like that. Yeah. I'm a weirdo. I don't think I was a picky kid eating. Like I remember eating vegetables and yeah. like, I don't think I was a very picky kid. I was such a picky kid, but then when I went to cooking school, I learned to like a lot more things. So yeah. I'm definitely not as picky as I used to be. Yeah. But there's still stuff that I'm weird about, like texture stuff and mm-hmm. things like that. But I started liking sushi because oh yeah, I was dating a girl that invited me out for sushi. Yeah. And I was like, obviously, yeah, like yeah, I got to make a good impression. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we went for sushi, and Mm -hmm. I loved it. Another girl I was dating, get around, right? um, but we went for sushi, and she was like, oh my god, do you love unagi? And, like, I didn't know what it was, but I was trying to be cool. It's a salmon skin roll? No, it's, no. (laughs) What? No, on Friends, remember? Unagi. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's eel. Yeah, salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's eel. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally love it. And it came out and it's like on a bed of rice. Is it still moving? No, it's like just a chunk of seal. But it was actually. Not seal. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Listen, it's a delicacy somewhere. No, eel. Um, But it was actually delicious. It Mm. tasted like beef. Oh, wow. But I like I I don't think I would have eaten it otherwise. No, yeah. If you had been like eat this, I'd be like no, bitch. No, yeah. It's got to be a promise of like booty later on, in <laughs> order have, for you to yeah. eat that. <laughs> I have to be wanting to impress somebody in order to step outside my comfort zone. Oh, and you just don't want to impress me anymore. I see. No. <laughs> I see how it is. Oh my god, this is such a funny theme because on your Facebook memories yesterday, 
there was a video of Julia and oh, she yeah. was like one? Yeah. Less than one? Like, no, I, maybe like, yeah, one and a half. Like, she wasn't talking. I think she had just turned one. Oh. Yeah. And I was eating quinoa, ground turkey, and peppers. Uh-huh. And zucchini. And zucchini. And she was, like, crazy for it. Mm-hmm. And so I was feeding her off my fork. And she just, like, couldn't get enough of it. And she knew sign language, so she could say, like, please and thank you and more. Yeah. But she was doing it so aggressively because she wanted the food so badly (laughs) that she was saying please and, like, smacking herself in the face and rubbing her stomach for 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 please. please. And it was so funny. It was so cute. But, yeah, if we fed her that now, she would throw up. She wouldn't eat it. No. Yeah. No. What a funny theme that we got ourselves on. Look at that. Um, But anyway, today's episode I'm super excited for. Yeah, totally. Uh, Rachel reached out to us, I think, a while back. Yeah, after hearing um, Elena's episode. Yeah. Yeah. So she heard Elena's episode about coming out late in life. And then she was like, you know, I want to be on this podcast. And um, her story's incredible. Yeah. She's a cancer survivor. Three times. And young. Yeah, super young. Yeah. But yeah, it was cool to hear about like the movement she's part of, like the work that she does. And yeah, (laughs) let's uh, get to it so we can go figure out what that commotion is. Okay, bye. Enjoy. Bye. Hello, Rachel. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm very, very pleased to be talking to you guys today. Yay, we're so so excited. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Um, Yeah, you reached out to us because you heard our episode with Elena, right? Yeah, yeah. I had had seen her TikToks and I had added her on Instagram. And then when I saw this podcast, I was like, I did not sign up for this. Wow, what, what could, like, I love kind of, things that are kind of out of the, or like talking about stories and people's experiences. And so I was like, wow, what is this? And I, as I investigated a bit more, I was kind of like, I feel like that's even a sentence I've even said within my own experience of like, you know, I didn't sign up for this in terms of what I'm going to speak to. And, um, and as I gave it a listen, I was kind of, I was really, as I said, loving the, the idea of hearing people's stories and, you know, cause all of us go through so many different things in life. And so I just, uh, I thought I'd reach out and also just spread awareness about, you know, melanoma and cancer and kind of just talking about that experience um, from someone at a young, younger age than what you'd maybe expect. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of the goal when we started the podcast. And I've said that a few times where, you know, everyone has a story and everyone has a, a time where they feel like I did not sign up for this, but, um, you know, kind of what can you, you learn from it and what can you inspire other people when you're, you know, with what you're going through and, mm-hmm. um, kind of, can we get out onto the other side and feel like, okay, I didn't sign up for that, but, but I made it, you know, and totally. it, it, it is really interesting to hear everyone's stories because there's just so much going on in everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. And it's actually very um, similar to the idea of like with the, with the nonprofit I work for, the Get Real Movement, it's just that idea that like you're not alone. You know, there's yeah. people who have gone through what you've been through or like or at least a, like somewhat of the same situation. And it's just that idea that you're not alone. You're not the only one. Like it's it's very powerful, I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we read your message, we were like, what? Like, <laughs> yes, we need to have her on and talk to her. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so why don't you just kind of get started with your story? It's so incredible. 
And then like, I want to hear more about like the get real movement and some of the work that you do with the LGBTQ community. Yeah, for sure. My name is Rachel Harrison. I grew up in Hamilton, Ontario. I now live in Toronto. Um, I went out east to uh, Nova Scotia. I went to Dalhousie University to play varsity basketball back in the glory days. Um, (laughs) Wanted to kind of get out of Ontario, see what else is out there. And I think subconsciously also kind of, you know, wanting to explore kind of who I truly am in terms Mm -hmm. of my sexuality. And then after undergrad, then I went to teacher's college at St. Francis Xavier University, which is in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. And then, yeah, I love the East Coast. It's like my absolute favorite place in the whole world. Mm -hmm. It's it's how I became like who I am today, basically. It's so beautiful. It is very beautiful. Yeah. The most, the most. And just the people also. like. I actually was out there because of my experience with cancer. My I was out there for quite a long time, like eight years. And coming back to Ontario was almost like a culture shock because I was like, oh, yeah, it's a rat race here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what? true. One of, my, one of my good friends is from out east and um, she moved here. And yeah, listening to her talk about what the culture is like and the pace of life. Mm-hmm. Um, did you Did you pick up any of their sayings like the buys and uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the other ones they were so funny they yeah were- there's a few little things that I kind of noticed out there um but I find the way I say Nova Scotia like I have this like weird kind of accent when I say like Nova Scotia <laughs> <laughs> yeah I hear it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah, that was my exaggerated version but I basically say it that way yeah, but so funny um, but yeah, but coming back because it was because yeah, it's just so just like chill out there. Everyone's so friendly. Everyone's so nice. Everyone's like, if you need a car, people like will throw their here, take my car, take my house. Like everyone's just so <laughs> open, and I just like I I tried to bring I tried to bring as much of that back with me. But you know, obviously the Ontario mentality kind of seeps through. But um, but yeah, I. I always try to go out there. I, I ended up doing my master's degree as well out in Nova Scotia uh, at Anaganish. Sorry, St. FX, because um, I just loved it so much. But um, but I went, I became an elementary, I went to school to be an elementary teacher. Um, but then I did specialize in physical and health education in my master's. Um, very passionate about obviously physical activity, but then I do really um, respect the health education because that's when you can also talk about, you know, gender identity and sexual orientation and those things that I think are so important. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, then, but in terms of, uh, you know, my story uh, with melanoma and, you know, Nova Scotia does play a huge part of that. So, you know, so growing up, always someone so I'm 33 kind of grew up in a time where you know tanning beds had just kind of come to the scene when I was in high school yeah and you know I was someone who was always I love to be outside I I have very very fair skin but I have the kind of skin that gets really really tanned very nicely so I was always tanned never really like you know I had that idea like okay well if I burn it'll turn to a tan and it'll be awesome and but then also um was you know in high school started to go into the tanning beds 
and, you know, just continued on. And then melanoma started being talked about, I feel like. I even, this is crazy, but in my grade 12 biology class, I actually did a huge research project and presentation on melanoma. Wow. So I actually chilled on the tanning for a bit. And then when I went to university at Dalhousie, on my basketball team, it was kind of like it was kind of common within our team. Like a lot of the girls, we would go tanning and we'd make jokes being like, Oh, did you go to the beach today? And, you know, just totally just and frying our skin. It was just so brutal. Oh God. You know, and, you, and when you're young, you just think you're invincible. You never think anything's going to happen from yeah, that. Yeah. And um, so about, I would say in my fourth year university at Dal. I had this mole like on my thigh and especially as women I find with our upper thighs because we don't it doesn't see the light of day very often we don't put sunscreen there We're like ah you know let's it needs a bit of vitamin d I don't know about you but I know I never really put it on my upper thighs no yeah no. literally when I was in Mexico me and my partner she was like aren't you gonna do your thighs and I'm like nah they never burn <laughs> and then I burnt them really bad <laughs> exactly literally it's crazy Um, and, but I had this mole on my thigh, like my whole life, you know, and I don't know if either of you have moles, but you some have this weird attachment to them kind of like, you're you're like, Oh, that's required of me. And, um, so anyway, I had this mole that kept, it was over time. I was noticing maybe it was getting a little bigger, a little darker. And I was kind of like, Hmm, but I continued to like, I was at a point and this is kind of embarrassing, but I was at a point that in my fourth year I was tanning three times a week oh wow for like three months um it was pretty intense and how long and, would you go in the bed for um you know I think I it was it's a while at this point but yeah. on, I would say like 10 to 15 minutes so oh like, wow like See, as I, I am I am incredibly fair and I would mm-hmm. go tanning like before I went to Mexico and stuff when I was like 18 years old mm-hmm. and they're like okay well we're gonna start you at like one minute yeah. <laughs> I think the most I built up to was like five minutes but that was that was a lot yeah <laughs> one of my first jobs in high school was at a fabutan and so oh. I was that person that was like you can go for this long and like mm-hmm. oh some of the mm-hmm. people that would tan like every single day for 20 minutes. Yikes. Yeah. It actually honestly becomes a addiction. Like it was a full blown addiction, I think, yeah. at, at a certain point when I got really dark that year. But, you know, I I continued to tan. I remember being like, okay, this mole, what's going on here? And I went to the doctor. I went to the, you know, Dalhousie's like, you know, walk-in clinic or whatever. And I had my doctor and I said, Hey, should this get like, is this okay? Is this more fine? And she was like, well, you know, looks good. looks fine to me, but if you want it removed, I can. And I was like, nah, it's fine. Move on. Yeah. Continued going tanning, continued living life. A couple months later, you know, it's getting a little darker and I'm like, Hmm. I asked the doctor again. I say, you know, should I get this? Re- like, are you sure this is okay? And she was like, again, like, well, I can if I can take it off if you want, but otherwise it's fine. I was like, all right, wow. I'm going to keep it. Then it got to a point where I just was like, okay, this is like disgusting. Like, I just want this off my body because it's gross. Oh. And I had the doctor take it off. No, didn't think anything of it. Like, and I'm, I think I was 22 years old at the time. And uh, I, Two weeks later, and I was actually worked at golf courses during the summer, like landscaping. So always outside, always in the sun. 
And I remember getting the, I was on a golf, I'm on the golf court, golf cart, and I got a phone call from the doctor and she's like, it came. So we got the results. It's melanoma. And I just was sort of like, Oh, okay. Like I, at 22 years old, I just had no concept of like at all what had, what she had told me. And I was like, okay. And then like, I, she's like, okay, like you're going to need to like have like come in we're gonna need to talk about like surgery or whatever but I just nothing was really going through my my mind at the time and then I remember even telling my boss being like oh okay I just found out I have melanoma and he was like do you want to go home I was like no I'll just finish like the work day and um like just yeah very naive but I think that actually helped me a bit and um so I had so they what they had done is so it was the, the melanoma started on my right leg and they took out more of the area of where the mole was. And then they also removed a few of my lymph nodes from mm-hmm. my right thigh. Oh, wow. And um, I had to wait six. And that was just like one overnight operation. No big deal. My mom did come. My parents at the time lived in Manhattan and my mom did come to stay with me through that which I never really realized how intense it was for her. Again, being very naive, like, it's no big deal, mom. Like, melanoma, who cares? And, um, but then I had to wait six weeks to get the results, which was also pretty tough because I was actually in um, training season because basketball was going to start in September. It was going to be my fifth year. I was going to be captain. I was all like, you know, pumped. But my training got all messed up because I had to recover from the surgery and, you know, that was pressure was, I was putting pressure on myself with that because I just was like, okay, let's get this over with so I can move on. And then, you know, six weeks later, I go to the, I go to the hospital, I sit with the, uh, my surgeon and, and it's a week before training camp starts. And she's like, okay, so the cancer is in your lymph nodes and we will need to have further surgery and like again that information I just was like um okay and then I was like just she kind of was like looking at me like do you understand kind of what's happening and then I just was like and I even said but I was like can I can I play basketball this year and she was like no and I was like and then that's when I started crying and that's when I was like wait a minute like what what do you mean I can't play basketball and so um, it basically like within the next week, they had the surgery booked um, to take out basically all of the lymph nodes um, so that they were more, more of the area was taken out plus the lymph nodes of that leg. The results came back after that. And then I was, I was, told, I was good after that. And, um, and then in November, I had to start something called interferon, which is a, it's like the melanoma version of chemo. Oh, and okay. Um, it's, they don't do it anymore. There's a new thing now, but back then 2010, um, it was called interferon. I'd have to go to the hospital every single day in November, get like intravenous, whatever. And then after that first month, then for 11 months, you had to sort of inject yourself every day. Um, and all these crazy side effects and, uh, but like, you know, my res- it was more of like preventative at that point. And um, by March, it got to a point, you know, the interferon, if you were to ever research it, it's the, the effects are very intense. And I was, my hair was starting to like, I was starting to lose my hair. And like, 
I, my quality of light, like mentally, I was just not in a good place. And I was just like, listen, like, and there's a lot of pressure on me because I felt like I had to do interferon, like even like for my parents and like, you know what I mean? You kind of, everyone's like, well, of course you need to, but the side effects suck. But by March, I was like, listen, my quality of life is suffering. I need to stop this now. And, you know, my doctor was supportive. We, sh- we, we shut it down. And then it was like, and we got a, the clear, we got a clear CT scan, then bam, back to training, ready to go for my, for my last year of basketball. I ended up having like the best year of my career after that, you know, continue on cancer's done, move on. Let's keep living life. Wow. Um, seven years later. So in 2000, 17, you know, I've graduated teacher's college. I'm doing the teacher hustle, which can be extremely stressful. I was in an LTO, a few LTOs. I don't know. That's long-term, long-term occasional. It's like a contract for teachers. It's a mat leave or a sick leave or those kinds of things. And being a teacher, it was was hard. I was pretty, it was pretty stressful to me. And I could tell something was happening to my body because I just was so stressed, not taking care of myself, didn't have good balance of life. And then just randomly on the same scar in the exact same spot, this little like bump started like forming, but I just thought it was scar tissue. Like I barely like looked at my scar anymore. didn't even really notice. And then over time, you know, I was really stressed and I could just, my body was reacting. And then I was like, hmm, this seems to be growing, I think. And, it, and I, I don't mean to sound so naive all the time. Like I, I feel like, <laughs> naive, but I was just like, hmm, this doesn't seem okay. But I just let it pass. I was like, okay, I'll, whatever, it's fine. And then by January 2018, I went to a walk-in because things were starting to get a bit, I was like, okay, maybe this is, maybe I need to get this checked out. Walk-in doctor said it was nothing like, oh, that's just, that's just like from surgery. Like that's, there's no issue there. You don't need to worry. Then I did go to my dermatologist and even he was like, you know what? I don't think it's, I think it's fine. He's like, we'll do a biopsy just in case, but fine. And it's like, and this story just, when it comes to your own health, you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. Yeah. Were you told when you, back in 2010, Mm -hmm. were you told after your surgeries and treatment signs to look out for, or were you automatically at a higher risk of getting it again? Yeah. When it comes to cancer, like, yeah, once you've had it, you you are definitely at a higher risk for recurrent cancer. Um, But they just, you know, I had to just be careful in the sun obviously never going in the tanning beds again, just sunscreen, um, which was tough. Like at 22 years old, I'm just like, I just want to live a normal life. Like I don't want, like, yeah, I, I couldn't accept that this was now I had to shift my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but obviously I like, you know, I did, I did take precautions. So then the dermatologist took a biopsy and then literally then I would say February, 2018, Results came back. I had recurrent cancer. I had recurrent melanoma. So they had, they took out more lymph nodes on the left side. They took out the area and it was, this one seemed super chill, seemed super quick day. It was a day surgery going in, going out. And so I had it and I took the month of April off from teaching. I had March and April off from teaching. And I literally then May, 2018 went back into an LTO was doing phys ed LTO 
again, had this idea, okay, cancer, I dealt with you, get out of my life. Now I'm moving on. Yeah. Instead of, and I think I probably should have just sort of taken care of myself after that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just always made it clear to everyone in my world, which is like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, just let me like, this is, this is what I want to do kind of thing. So actually during this time I was doing my master's degree, um, which was online, online at, through St. Effects. And, um, but that summer I wanted to go and be in Anaganish to finish. And I remember I, in July, 2018, I was like, it was we had finished our course. We had two days before our final big presentation, uh, this cumulative thing. And I remember like I was about to go on a bike ride and I was sitting, I was proud of myself finishing my course. Masters was done basically. And I'm sitting there and I'm feeling my scar. And then I'm like, no, 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 wait a minute. And in the exact same spot again, a lump, I felt a lump underneath. And I was like, no, no, no this this can't and then i felt the lymph nodes on my millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Left side and it was a bit swollen. And I was like, universe, like, no, um, sorry, I'm like I'm very spiritual <laughs> through this experience. And I was just like, universe, like, no way, like, come on. Yeah. But I was like, okay, Rachel, at this point I was like, okay, I need to take action. So right away I'm in Nova Scotia, but I called my doctor booked an appointment for like the day I get back basically. And in that moment though, I had to like um, compartmentalize that because I had this big presentation. I said, okay, this is happening. You might have it again, but we're just going to put this in a little box and put it over here. You have this to do, Rach. Like, just don't worry about it until we find out. And then come home. Um, we got, had the biopsy and then we, we had a surgery set in place at the end of August, but then mid-August um the lymph nodes were just like exploding like it was like it was it was projecting out of my body like very like they were swollen so badly that people thought they thought it was an infection so I go to emerge and I'd end up not leaving the hospital for three weeks and um, they kept putting all these things in my body trying to fix the infection and what we what I wasn't actually what I wasn't told is um so yeah this whole time I've it's always been stage three melanoma. Um, if it reaches the lymph nodes, you're in stage three and there's only four stages. Like it would basically the cancer was like attacking like my body and I didn't really, no one had really told myself or my parents, but all the nurse, like what the paper said and what the, all the nurses thought, like basically I was palliative and I had no idea. Like it was, oh my God. 
yeah, like it, I literally had like months to two years to live because of how serious it was, but no one really communicated that. But I think on purpose, um, because like when it came to my situation at that point, um, my surgeon told me like 80, 90% of surgeons would be like, she's inoperable, you know, put her on, you know, immunotherapy and, you know, just kind of go from there. But my surgeon, she's like Dr. Heller. She's um, incredible melanoma uh, surgeon and she's pretty well known in Ontario at, I might might even be Canada and she just kind of she knew I was young she believed I was a fighter and she just she knew she could save my life and she straight up like saved my life and wow. I had no clue and I do and I know that that helped me because I mentally I don't if I knew I had months to two years I don't know if I would have had the strength to kind of push through and um, gain perspective um, the way I did yeah. And um so is your family with you at this point? Yeah, well okay, so when I was in no so in 2010, my mom was able to live with me in Nova Scotia, but my and my dad would travel from New York and come, but then this second and third round, I'm in Hamilton and my parents are in Hamilton. So I'm I am surrounded by my family and like all my high school friends and like so that was really amazing to have their support. And then so basically I had the, had the surgery in the end of August, you know, was fully like bedridden, like had recoup for a full month, just kind of like in a hospital bed that I had at the, at the home I was living in and just recovered th- over time. You know, my body still two years later is still kind of recovering. Yeah. And uh started that October, I started something called aminotherapy, where you take pills in the morning and at night every day for a year. And that's gonna that's, you know, fighting off whatever's left in your body, and then um, finish that. That was awesome. And then this past September, I had I've had two cat scans now I get them every six months. And the last two have been clear. So I've just, uh, you know, I just keep going keep, keep on my path. Um, but you know, the one thing, especially that, you know, I didn't sign up for this is like the one part about cancer that you don't really know, or at least I never knew about was this thing called lymphedema. So when there's cancer in your lymph nodes and the lymph nodes get removed, lymph, uh, lymph nodes help like circulate fluid and in your body. And so if you don't have lymph nodes, then it can get stuck. So women who have breast cancer, their arms can get lymphedema. And then for myself, my legs um, have lymphedema. And okay. it just means that it's your legs and or your arms, they swell up mm-hmm. and you have to wear a compression stocking, which is like this really tight, you have to put like special gloves on. And that's something that, I, that I'll have to deal with for the rest of my life. And that, and at this particular moment in time, it's it's been a hard one to accept because I just you know, my body looking different is, yeah. is pretty hard for me. And yeah. uh, having to wear a stocking every day is a bit frustrating. And it's just something I have to eventually just accept that this is now a part of my life. Right. So when it comes <laughs> to your um, first surgery in 2010, was there any sort of, were they just like, okay, you're good? Like, or was it like you, you need to have regular checkups or things like that? Like, mm-hmm. was, was there any way to kind of head off what, what was coming? I still had the six months checkups for a right. few years, but then after five years, it's just kind of left 
you're kind of left to just continue on with life. Uh-huh. Just trying to be careful, trying to protect yourself as best as you can. But yeah, it's basically like after a certain point, you're just kind of left, you're kind of just free to go and live. Um, But for those first few years, they keep track of your situation. And and the surgery that you had then, they removed your lymph nodes? Yes. Yeah. So I've had about, I've had five surgeries through the years with melanoma um, and every single one they've taken out uh, lymph nodes. And at this point I have zero lymph nodes left in both legs. Wow. In both legs. Yeah. Wow. Because it, uh, it, the cancer, I guess um, like, cause it started on my right side, but then it seeped, it went, got into the left side. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And um, was there danger of it? moving it to other lymph nodes like farther up into your body well actually it had started I forget uh, this detail I don't know but I think it started entering like it it did start moving I I don't know if it was I know it didn't hit any uh, big organs or anything but I think it was starting to spread and that's why that surgeon which I found out obviously months later was how you know that's why it was I was considered uh, palliative mm-hmm. because it was yeah. beginning to spread, but then it was shut. But thankfully, um, she shut that down and wow. we were able to stop it. That's mm-hmm. amazing. During this time when you're, um, you know, in the hospital for three weeks and things like that, and you've got your family and mm-hmm. friends around you, did you feel like you had to be a certain way to kind of make them feel hopeful? Or like you said, you, you weren't really aware of how serious it was. Um, were your parents aware of how serious it was? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like basically like they were like, they were freaking out (laughs) like straight up, but they just, because of the way I acted, everyone, like a lot of people even forgot I even had cancer just because of the way I acted. I never played the like, Oh, feel bad for me. You know, pity me. Or like, you know, I I just said, okay, this is happening. We're going to, we're going to keep going. But like behind the scenes, you know, my friends are devastated, parents, families devastated. And I didn't even really know, but I think they didn't want me to see them all scared to make me, because I was, I was in a good place mentally. I just, Uh I never let myself like, you know, of course I had a, I started to have a few dark days um, leading up to the third one, third surgery, the like third recurrent recurrence and but otherwise I just never let myself ever go there when it comes like if someone I don't in my opinion like I well I mean everyone's story is different but I just for me in my life I don't look as cancer as a death sentence um I actually to, for me in my life it it actually saved my life uh it helped me gain perspective like big time um and take kind of ownership of my life and realize like you know that I am a value and I am of worth and because you know self-love and self-worth has been something that's been an issue of mine throughout my I think obviously like coming out being gay I internalized my I had, I had very deep internalized homophobia couldn't accept myself couldn't love myself and I am a big believer that sometimes what you're feeling on the inside shows itself then on the outside and yes 100%. Um, and I so, think if you yeah I think um when you're fighting something internally, your body just, it needs to get it out and it will present itself, you know, however is needed. What kind of changes did you make after all of this that you can attribute to sort of like saving your life? Like there's a couple things. I think, you know, when I came out of the club, when I came out as lesbian back, I came out in 2000, 
eight, I think, like in second year university. And, you know, it really affected my relationship with my mom. Uh, She wasn't, you know, she never stopped loving, supporting me, but I think it just, I always felt like it wasn't her vision. It wasn't her dream. Um, And I, but then, and I always wanted to look and act the way she wanted me to. And I felt though it wasn't true to who I was because my gender expression, I like to dress masculine, but I also have a feminine side to me, but I do like to dress in masculine clothing. And I think though, I always felt so shameful about that. And, you know, I felt bad that I, I, I felt like I couldn't ever dress like that in front of my mom or, or, you know, I was always worried what people thought. But then I think, you know, when this was happening, I was like, okay, Rach, we need to I need to own who I am. I need to be proud of who I am, embrace it. And if someone has something to say, like that's, that's their problem. Like this, you have one life to live. You need to accept and love all of you, the good and the bad. And I think just owning my gender expression, owning who I was, um, was a big part of it. And I think, um, I remember actually going into my, the second recurrent surgery. I remember holding my mom's hand, and I was like, I like looked through, I was like, mom, like, look me in the eyes. I was like, when I come out of here, like when I come out of this surgery, I need you to accept like all that I am. I don't want you to make any comments about the way that I dress or look. And she was like, what are you talking about? I don't do that. And I was like, mom, mom, like, let's, I was like, let, like, just, I want to be fully accept. I fully, I want to, I want to fully accept myself and I need that from you. And I think that was a really powerful moment. And, um, and really standing up because I had kind of let things, let, let a few things go. Um, cause I'd, I didn't know I'd been out for like 13 years at this point and, um, I just, I wasn't going to stand for, um, anything like that anymore. Yeah. And, um, so that was a change. And then I was realizing teaching in the classroom wasn't making me very happy. Um, and through teachers college, and my master's, I really learned my passion for being an LGBTQ advocate and wanting to create, um, you know, elementary schools are extremely heteronormative. Mm-hmm. And I think because I grew up in that environment, I internalized that being gay is bad. It's not something you should ever speak of. It's like wrong, gross, whatever. So I became then very passionate that these are the conversations that need to happen starting in elementary school. And so through cancer and my master's, I realized at the end, I'm like, I need to, this is the work I have to do. And then, so I actually reached out to the Get Real movement. I knew one of, I knew Marley Bowen, who was one of the executive directors from out East. And I basically just, it was the perfect timing of everything. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to put teaching on hold for now. And I want to do what actually makes me happy and like what I'm passionate about. What this is my purpose in life. And so I, stopped teaching and I started working basically full-time with Get Real. That's amazing. I think I talk quite often about just how heteronormative schools are in general. And like I went to a public school and I wasn't raised in a religious household and I still had this like deeply rooted internal homophobia. I had no visual representations anywhere in my life of, you know, the LGBTQ community. And I think you know, I try really hard just in my day-to-day life to be a representation for younger people and just for different mm-hmm. cultures. And I think that's so important. I love that so much. And I think, you know, I often wonder like, oh, like if really young today, how different would my experience have been coming out and with self-expression, you know, like I always felt mm-hmm. like I had to fit into this mold of what a female looked 
liked and dressed liked and acted like. And yeah, it's just so important. And I think if younger people today have that representation, their futures are just so much more open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was actually, I was listening to your interview with Kylie and how you were saying how basically you just had like Melissa Etheridge. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like in the 90s, it was like, Melissa Etheridge, Katie Lang, and like Ellen. That was it. That was all we had. Yeah. And even then, like they weren't out. Do you know what I mean? Like there was sort of this like understanding maybe or inkling of how I could maybe relate to them, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't, we didn't have Ellen and we didn't have, you know, the get real movement and we didn't, you know, there was just, it just didn't exist except Mm -hmm. for in things, platforms like Jerry Springer and yeah. And the negative. Yeah. 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 And it's actually, it's like, you know, the way I internalized it, I actually was, I was um, extremely outwardly homophobic. Like I used incredibly offensive terms. The opinions I would say like out loud were like insane. And the people, like my friends would be like, Rachel, like, why are you like so passionate? Like, why are you talking like this? Because my friends weren't talking like that. And my family didn't talk like that. Like I, you know, I know my mom had a vision for me, but no one was like, talking like horribly or hateful towards gays but it was that was my way of being like well no they're disgusting like I hate lesbians like I just it was like my way of being like well that's not me and like and then I also on top of being like extremely homophobic I also was like boy crazy like really out there that I loved like I was obsessed with boy bands and the Moffats and like actors (laughs) and like all these like just put out this image I tried so hard, but then now when I talk to kids, I try to get it out to them that, you know, being homophobic actually puts more of a target on you because straight people don't actually care. Yeah. 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 People that are trying so hard to, you know, suppress those emotions. And so, okay. So, and that turns it, that turned into hate as a way of like dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can Um, you tell us a little bit about what the get real movement is? Yeah, for sure. So it's a nonprofit organization that it actually started at um, Western University as more of like an orientation kind of thing. Like Chris Studer, who is the other executive director, he he was a part of this group that like created this like program to kind of because there's a lot of homophobic language, you know, that's so gay. People always saying, you know, those types of, you know, all those derogatory terms. And it was this way of like creating a safe space because He's, 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 he act, he identifies as straight, but he, um, had a friend who came out as gay and like, they all kind of, he grew up, he went to a boys school where it was homophobic, you know, transphobic, sexist, racist, like all those kind of horrible things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through his friend coming out as gay, it kind of helped him then open up and become an ally and realize that language isn't cool. And so he then took, so there's a bunch of people who kind of created that and then Chris came to Toronto and started it then with Marley. And now, so it's an organization, we go across Canada um, and we go into schools, either like, you know, a couple classes or, I mean, back pre-COVID, we did assemblies and things like that. And we basically um, tell, there's usually myself and like a transgender individual. We tell our, um, we tell our coming out stories and, you know, just kind of normalize and show the students um, 
two people, maybe they've never met someone who's trans, or maybe they have a different image of what a lesbian's supposed to look like. And we're just, you know, normal people who are just everyday people living life, you know, successful, whatever it may be. And, uh, but what's also cool is, yes, we can be representation for those kids who need those role models and to show straight kids, like, you know, all different types of people. Mm -hmm. But it's also a human experience because we do this activity um, that Chris and Marley created that's called Grateful versus Challenging. And what we have is we have all the kids anonymously write down on a piece of paper something they're thankful for and something they have been challenged by. And like, you know, my all usually, you know, especially when I first started, I actually said, you know, I've been dying. I have, I, I've had cancer and I, you know, that's what, that's been challenging, but I'm thankful for the, my family and friends. And, you know, then we have the kids do it and we then read them out loud, about 20 of them. And it's all anonymous. And we, to the crowd, we'll be like, okay, I'm grateful for, or I'm challenged by my dad having cancer. I'm challenged by having social anxiety. I'm challenged by, you know, having depression. And it, we read out all these like super intense things because we're all human, right? We're all mm-hmm. dealing with something. And we read them out to the kids. The teachers are usually like crying. Like everyone in the room is like, whoa, I can't believe my peers are going through this. And then we ask the question, raise your hand if you heard something you didn't write down, but you can relate to. And like, every hand goes up. Wow. And it's that idea that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just be kind. You know, we're all going through something, whether or not you see it on the surface and seek support, you know, seek mental health support, talk to someone, talk to a friend or be that friend for another person. I love that. And, so much. Uh, yeah. And it's that's, super, it's super powerful. That's so important. I mean, because I think when we were growing up in schools, Mm-hmm. There was so little talk about mental health, about depression, about anxiety, about, you know, things like that, that we all struggle with. And mm-hmm. to be able to sit kind of in a in a room where people feel that way and feel the same way that you do. And and for, um, you know, the adults in the room to be like, you need, you know, seek help. And I don't know, it's that's so powerful because... Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us now struggle with these things because at a young age, it wasn't spoken about or it was spoken about in a negative way, or we weren't encouraged to get help. Or if you needed help, it was because there was something wrong with you. So to start that at such a young age, is just so important. And yeah, I just love that. That's, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And, um, but with this, obviously, with you know the pandemic and everything, mm-hmm. Get Real has been able to. We're doing just virtual for the entire for this school year, yeah. Which which has been like pretty awesome so mm-hmm. far. I, I am doing an LT. I am doing another teaching contract at this particular moment in time, just until like the contract goes till December, and then I'm going to get back on with Get Real. Yeah. Um. But uh. But you know, interesting, interesting fact. Other than the, like the Northwest territories in Yukon. Alberta is the only province we haven't visited. Jason Kenny, if you are listening, we need to get honestly get it doesn't surprise me at all, oh. which is just sad, right? Like it yeah. But what's interesting though is I I know so many St. Effects teachers. 
yeah. who have gone to Alberta and Fort McMurray seems to have like, I honest, I know like the cult, the demographic is one way, but I know there are teachers, like there are some schools that are incredibly like progressive. It mm-hmm. seems. Anyway, yeah. So what do you the barrier is? How does, how does the get real movement get into schools or, or provinces? <sighs> So I think, I mean, they've been working at it since like 2014, like or 15. It, things really started up, I would say, in the schools in like 2017. But I think at the beginning, Chris and Marley were just sort of, you know, cold, putting cold calls, emails, word of mouth, you know, just kind of just putting it out there, sending things to school boards, to teachers, and just through and then once one teach one school sees us and we do an incredible job, then they tell someone else, and then it just kind of keeps building. Um, and we, the only thing that schools um, have to pay for is the workshop itself, and the traveling is um, provided by sponsors and donations, um, and so which is really incredible. So the school only has to provide, um, you know, for the workshop. But other than that, like they don't need to bring us out there themselves, which is great. My God, I'm like real fired up about this and the fact that you guys have not been to Alberta. I know, I know. I, I know. I keep telling my teacher friends, I'm like, you guys, you got to bring us out. You got to bring yeah, us out. Yeah, yeah. We have a few teachers that we know for sure listen to this. So yeah. ladies, if you're listening, like we're going to connect on this. Um, and especially with the whole virtual, like, because I don't know, like if schools will stay open for the whole year or what, yeah. but it is a different way to kind of, if you like, you know, t- if it's. Uh, you know, anti-bullying week, if it's pride month, if it's yeah. kind of any times. And they've actually also just recently, because Chris, he is a black man and he's created a anti-racism workshop that oh, they have wow. just um, put out there this year, based obviously through the Black Lives Movement. Yeah. Black Lives Matter movement. We, so now Get Real has these anti-racism workshops as well as the LGBT inclusivity type. Wow. That's so important. Like, does it ever dawn on you or have you done much thinking about like how many like lives you've saved? I mean, sometimes definitely like my, my colleague, I have a colleague Jonas who I, he and I, we we were on the road. We were on the road like every day last year working together. And he, we, we'd have these moments when we would be like, we'd really take a second to be like, wow, like we, you know, cause we get these at the end of the workshops, we do um, comments and questions and it's all anonymous and every single student has to write something. So the, some of these comments we see, we, we have this moment, Jonas and I will be like, wow, like we really are making a difference, you know, mm-hmm. and we'll have this moment of like, okay, yeah, this is, we're, we're on the right path. We're on the right track. And definitely through all the schools, all the students, there are a few, there's a handful that have, handful of moments that have really stuck out with me that were really powerful. And I know that I, I know that I helped that student in that moment. And it it is pretty amazing. It is really amazing. That's amazing. And that's just like, and that's why like, you know, and then especially having cancer, it's like, gosh, like life is short. Just be yourself, just own who you are and just be proud of it. Like regardless of your sexuality, it's just, we've got one life to live. Yeah. Just do it the best you can. Yeah, that's amazing. I think another important thing to take away because when you were when you were talking about in the beginning when you were noticing that your mole was changing and things like that, mm-hmm. at your age at at twenty two, I don't think a lot of people at that age would maybe pay as close attention as you were to that. Like, yeah. I think there's so many things that change in our body that we're just like, Meh, that's probably normal or that's probably normal, you know. And to kind of really 
be paying attention to things like that, that are changing and, and getting yourself to a doctor because, I think some of us maybe were like, well, I don't, I don't think that's anything. I shouldn't go to the doctor mm-hmm. for that. Like, I don't want to be um, a hypochondriac or whatever, but you know, it's, it is important to pay attention to changes that are happening with us mm-hmm. and, and it could save our lives. Absolutely. And also I think for everyone, like um, no matter what age you are, that again, that idea that being your own advocate, you know, doctors, of course they went to school to be a doctor, but they don't, they're not, they don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe if one doctor said one thing and your gut or your instincts, like, wait, I don't know if this is legit. Get a second opinion. See if there's something else out there. Like don't take the one person's advice or like, don't like see if there's something else you can do or, you know what I mean? Just kind of taking a hold of it um, as best as you can. Yeah. Like we need to do that for ourselves. We're the only ones that are living in our bodies and know when things are off or, or changed. And absolutely. I love that. So it's like, you're so inspiring. I love it. Thank you you for reaching out to us. I mean, yeah. Thank you for, you know, I just, I had this in my message, you know, it was the two year anniversary and I, you know, I was on TikTok and I saw somebody who was like for, for three, for, hundred days, I reached out to someone different and all these opportunities happened. And I just was like, Hey, you know what? I just was in this mood and I was like, I'm going to send a message. I want to just spread awareness and just like, and also know that cancer, it doesn't have to be a death sentence. And you know, of course, obviously in very serious situations, but you just stay positive. Don't let your mind go there and, you know, take a hold of your life. Like I'm, again, as I said, I'm grateful for cancer because it, it helped me gain perspective of what I'm here for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the work you're doing is so life changing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, awesome. Well, that was so nice. And let us know yeah. if anybody in Alberta reaches out to you because. I will. I will. Abs- I will 100%. Oh, listen, this is my mission now. Like I am <laughs> fired up about it. It is happening. <laughs> I love it. I love Alberta it. is already conservative and like has some issues. Yeah. Like, this is, we need to get this here. This so important. Yeah. yeah, totally. And really totally. like, because it's virtual, there are literally no excuses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and this kind of stuff should just like transcend politics and yeah. religion. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, because it could save children's lives. Like it is important. Absolutely. There's so many things that have shown that this kind of stuff can lead to suicide and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things that can spiral out of control because, you know, kids are not being shown another way or showing that there are people like them in this world. And it's so important for Mm -hmm. our children's future that this stuff needs to be accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The same as you, as what you mentioned, like, I, I, I always wonder what, would have happened like how what what would have been different about my life if I grew up thinking it was okay to be gay like you know because I obviously made a few poor decisions and you just you know don't fully take care of yourself the way you should and I I do wonder like what would have been different but as what I find that happens on every single one of your interviews is every person always says you know everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. and like there there is always some reason to why things happen the way they did yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we all need to learn a hard lesson and go through something difficult to help somebody else. Yes. And we, mm-hmm. re- yeah, we really look at our, both of our own stories and uh-huh. struggles and think mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's hard to talk about. And yeah, you know, we laugh about it cause that's our 
trauma response, but you know, at the end of the day, somebody's going to hear it and find it relatable in some capacity and hopefully it impacts their life. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Both, both of your stories are, you know, very powerful. And um, I'm, I'm just think you're doing an awesome job with this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. I literally like, I say it all the time, but like the fact that you listen to our podcast and then reached out to us and like it, like it just blows my mind. I'm like, what is We're this? We're like, it's not possible. There's no way. <laughs> no, it's seriously such a nice compliment. Thank you. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. Thanks so much for having me and you too as well. Oh, Thanks. thank you. See you later. Bye. 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 Michelle, let me be clear. Okay. I will not work for you. How dare you? <laughs> you keep that one TikTok video that's so popular. Mm-hmm. I can't do it for many reasons. Why? Tell, give me one. I don't think my body is designed to move in those that's ways. That's not true. <laughs> <clears throat> well, we're doing it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a booty. And I'm gonna twerk. Okay, you have I, enough for enough for both people. of us. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta twerk it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's the law. <laughs> the law of the booty. Exactly. Um. Anyway, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, we just heard Rachel's episode. We did. And I love her. I know she's so nice. She's so nice. She's so sweet. And what she's doing is so important. Yeah. We need to get her out to Alberta. I know. My God. To all the teachers listening. Yeah. Megan, Lena, Sarah. I don't know. Who else? Um, Sarah. Did you just make up a name? No. (laughs) I don't know if she's heard it, but she's on our Instagram. Belinda. (laughs) Felicia. Oh, my God. Um, We need to get this Get Real movement out into Alberta. For real. Not even out into Alberta. Guys, they do it digitally. What's what's happening? What's the excuse? Yeah. Someone give us a reason right now. Oh. Oh. Was that you? Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> this yeah. is chaos. What's happening? This is a mess. I don't know. Me, you, and the kids. We're yeah. just a mess. I know. We're kind of a mess today. We are. Is it a full moon? No, that was a few weeks ago. My God. No. Mercury is in retrograde. Oh, retrograde. <laughs> it's like renegade. <laughs> um... It is. It is. It is really. I feel it. I do too. It's bonkers. I feel it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. The feelings all around you. And so. Did you hear that um, TikTok uh, discovered Fleetwood Mac? Oh, fantastic. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh, And they also discovered yoga pants. Wow. They call them flared leggings. I don't. I just love how they're like taking like responsibility for discovering leggings when we have been wearing leggings for the past like 20 years. And that happened with Glee. They would cover all these songs and kids were like oh my god this song yeah and parents were like um that was popular when i was your age yeah uh there was also like a few years ago there was a song with kanye west rihanna and paul mccartney yeah and there were a bunch of tweets saying like i don't know who this paul mccartney person is but like it's such a good like such a good thing that kanye put him on this song oh my god we have failed we have failed there is some tomfoolery happening in the hallway outside your bedroom there is 
Um, it's a crazy time of day. I know. It's like the witching hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, folks. If you like us, thanks for listening. You know what? Even if you don't like us and you're still listening, thank you. Because <laughs> we're going to win you over. That's right. And follow us on the social medias mm-hmm. everywhere at I Did Not Sign Up For This. Mm-hmm. And already mentioned in the intro, but we want more people to sign up for our Patreon. Because yes, it do. helps us do more and provide more. And um, yeah, we got a lot of extra stuff going on there. So I think you... we need to be specific, though, when we say find us on social media. We're not on Twitter. Oh, yeah. We're not like on OnlyFans. We're not on... <laughs> Is OnlyFans considered social media? I think so. I'll show people my feet. It's not just feet. <laughs> but could mine just be feet? Maybe. Yeah. There's a there's a niche for that. <laughs> okay. You can Anyways. find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon, Patreon at I did not sign up for this. And join our Facebook group. Oh yeah. We need to be more active in it. Carlin is feeling very sad because she keeps asking questions and nobody's answering her. (laughs) Not even me. And she cries about it every night. So just just answer her question. Just one of you. Like, you put something out there. I don't know. Everybody's saying they want to interact with us. But then they do not interact with us when we give them the opportunity. So... All of our listeners are liars. That's <laughs> what we're learning. Okay, everybody, have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next week. Oh. I don't know. I felt like I had to have some sort of okay. conclusion. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Embarrassed. <laughs>